0: G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Wrestling Style. This is a special standalone release of our discussion covering the past week in wrestling. We originally intended for this to be a segment within a future review. However, we have decided to release it as its own standalone episode. We hope you enjoy. Not really much more to add. We can move on to the weekly wrestling wrap.
1: Yeah, uh, is this a new
0: officially titled segment? (laughs) I guess so. We've been talking a lot about recent wrestling, so I figured, why not? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Um,
1: I have a lot of thoughts, and I'm sure you do too.
0: Yes, indeed. So just give a quick overall thought on um, some standout things from the past week in wrestling. We go back to last Tuesday not this Tuesday, last Tuesday's Raw for the upheld Raw Women's Championship, Sasha defeats Asuka via countout out because Kari was attacked backstage by Bailey. So now Bailey does straps and two belt banks hold all the women's gold on the main roster.
1: Everyone is loving Bailey and Sasha online and quite frankly, I don't get it. <laughs> I find them to be Sasha more so than anything. I hate her promo delivery, like it's a really accentuated style of delivery, and I I can't stand it. But these, but other people online and it seems to be getting a good amount of buzz. People are digging it. So you might as well go all the way with it.
0: Following that attack, Kari Sane's officially left WWE.
1: Yeah, RIP Kari Sane. You were
0: too good for Vince Jr.'s territory in New York. Uh, we also had Ozzy Murphy in action attacking Alistair Zai and later defeating Humberto Carrillo via pinfall. And then it was announced for SummerSlam. That's August the 24th. It'll be the Street Profits. Versus Andrade and Garza for the Raw Tag Team Championships. These men have been feuding since WrestleMania. What the hell? Yeah. Do you remember Raw after Mania? Yeah, and they brought out Bianca. Yeah, that's right. They had those three different matches setting up a six-person intergender match. Hey, man, they they put the feud on pause for
1: like. What felt like seven years worth of Viking Raiders versus Street Profits
0: nonsense. Oh God, I just wiped that from my mind and now it's back. Yeah, yeah. So from there, we went on to Wednesday. There's still no new episodes of NWA Power or Carnyland. I watched Dark this week. Did you happen to check out Dark from the past week?
1: Quite frankly, I haven't watched Dark in so long and... It's just a time thing or like laziness thing from most of the time. I would love to watch Dark. I just keep not doing it for some
0: reason. So it featured an FTR match. That's Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler defeating The Initiative. That's Peter Avalon. Brandon Cutler and Lever Bate. Oh, your favorite? Yeah, I've actually turned the corner on him now.
1: Oh, okay. So now I've got to start hating him.
0: They did show Tully in the crowd watching on uh, FTR and the camera did cut to him looking impressed at stages.
1: And while while you mentioned Tully, a big congratulations to him on his recent tag
0: team title victory at WCW Super Brawl. Oh yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> From there. Went on to also feature Orange Cassidy versus Serpentico in a very good Cruiserweight-style match.
1: Oh, very good.
0: Uh, overall, there was 12 matches on this week's Dark, and it was a two-hour edition. I thought Darks were a bit shorter than that, so... Something different, but I don't know if you want to be burning through all that, that footage when they're still on a state of lockdown as well, I guess. So from there, we go on to Impact Wrestling's Impact with the debut of the Wrestle House. Did you happen to catch this?
1: Yeah, I've actually been watching Impact for the last, uh, since the week before Slammiversary. Full disclosure, I haven't watched this week's yet, but that only just happened. I'll probably watch this after, watch it after we've finished recording. Yeah, Wrestle House. Um, oof. Oof, is all I could really say. <laughs> Oh, you didn't like it. Oh, I hated it. Oh, what? Are you serious? It's the best thing they got going at the moment. Oh, man. I thought it was so cringy. (laughs) that They had a whole bunch of wrestlers in there trying to act that, besides a few of them, have no acting chops. There are some bright spots in there. Like, I love everything Johnny Swinger's doing at the moment. He is fantastic. Um, Tyre Valkyrie's pretty good in her role. Tommy Dreamer was pretty entertaining in his role on it.
0: Oh, he comes in as a host and one of um, I think it might have been AC Romero goes to him, Oh, is this a house of hardcore? And he goes, <laughs> No, you idiot. It's an investment property. I had to do something with those ECW checks before they bounce.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cut to JBL writing imaginary air checks and bouncing him on the ground again. That's a little callback to our One Night Stand episode for you guys.
0: They showed Tyre opening a door at one stage and Abyss was in a room of fire pouring tax.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. That was good because <laughs> he's in purgatory now, brother. Yeah, it was like Swinger or something said, oh, I knew
0: he was in purgatory, brother. Like Swinger's going to someone else in the house going oh you could be my young boy do my laundry and stuff it's just like
1: what? yeah yeah he's trying to get crazy steve to be his young boy
0: oh that's right and he goes i'm crazy but i'm not, I'm not stupid or something yeah uh, so yeah i i enjoyed that just for what it was it was comedy from there they went on to moose being interrupted by heath and he gets a match next week
1: C- can i say a quick spoiler from what i read <laughs>
0: Yeah. Heath loses. (laughs) Oh, I was hoping Moose would lose.
1: So, so yeah, they're just going to keep going with this Heath is a free agent thing. Him acting like a goofball, can't figure out how to get into into the impact zone or whatever it's called now. And, yes, that one week on Raw where Heath seemed like a serious, intriguing guy. That is not being capitalised on in Impact, in my opinion.
0: From there, there was the main event, the in debut of the Good Brothers versus Reno Scum. It's their first match since signing with Impact. So they won with the Magic Killer, post-match brawl with Ace Austin and Madman Fulton to go off the air. Really good show. I think Impact's really starting to turn around.
1: It was a good show. Um, a lot of the Wrestle house thing just didn't do it for me in particular the matches they did um and what like caused the matches to happen like what one guy was snoring uh some other guy wanted to sleep in the wrestling ring because they didn't have enough beds or whatever I didn't like those particular segments but the ones that you actually mentioned i I did enjoy if I can go on to my Gear of the Week talk. Luke Gallows' new gear makes him look like a star. Carl Anderson looks like an absolute dweeb <laughs> wrestling in camo board shorts. But on the most recent episode of Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows podcast, Carl did mention that heaps of guys in the business messaged him and told him that his gear looked like crap. So, so I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue going
0: forward. Yeah, you gotta look the part. Like, surely just have a black pair of trunks or pants or something to to wear while he's getting new stuff.
1: I get the camo thing, but it's it wasn't even matching camo to like look to Gallows like awesome gear. Whatever gear Gallows has, just get those pants that he has. Like the exact same ones. Wear those pants instead of like knee length shorts like a dweeb.
0: So from there, we go on to Thursday and the Thursday morning war. Start off with NXT. So on last week's edition, Keith Lee vacated the North American Championship and Bronson Reed advanced to the five way match at TakeOver for the vacant championship. Do you have much to say on that?
1: No, besides the obvious bias that we're both going to have in wanting Bronson Reed to win the title, no matter how unrealistic that might
0: be in the long run. What about vacating this title after he's just won it? The world title, sorry. I, I think this was an obvious step because
1: him holding both titles, you just sort of put yourself into a crappy position where, you know, eventually he'll have to drop one of the titles. So if he drops the North American title to someone, then you've just seen them pin clean the NXT champion as well. So then you go, why doesn't that person have the NXT title instead of the North American? So I think it was just them getting themselves out of a, Corner that they sort of book themselves into.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm never a fan of a person vacating a title when they've got a higher position title because it's making the one they vacate look less worthy. Like if somebody's injured and they're vacating, that makes sense. If somebody's going to leave and they're saying, "Oh, if I lose, I'll lose uh, vacate the title or something like that." like um, just because you won and you're not there but then this week you were there <laughs> it just it just looks lazy and it's just showing that you had booked yourself into a corner.
1: Yeah, that's true too. but I also believe like, I like I find that Keith Lee's like promo about it about like this is like this title was a good opportunity for me to get up to this title. So I want to give someone else that opportunity and me just hanging on to both of these titles gives less opportunities for the younger guys coming up and that sort of thing that he said. And I I thought that was a pretty logical point. Like, that's probably the best way they could possibly explain it. But nonetheless, they probably shouldn't have booked themselves into that corner to begin with.
0: Yeah, they could have had him, like Cole, say, oh, if you want to go a shot at my title again, you've got to... Vacate that title so there's no second chances. Yeah. Like, and then he's got a reason for vacating that title, saying, I'm putting everything on the line. But that's neither here or there. Um, So let's go on to what actually happened on the show. There was a tag match EO Shirai and Tegan Knox defeating Candace LeRae and Dakota Kai. EO pinned Candice and later Dakota was interviewed backstage, interrupted by Rhea, who's dyed her hair blonde, and Rhea said that she's the true number one contender okay then freeway match to advance to the north american five-way at takeover dexter loomis defeated finn bella and thatcher dexter won via ref stoppage on timothy and it's announced for next week rhea versus dakota in a number one contenders match and damian priest versus only lawkin versus ridge holland in another North American qualifier. Also Imperium versus Undisputed for the Tag Championship. Any thoughts really on NXT this past week? No,
1: nothing really blew me away. Although, I, I don't know what everyone's thoughts are on him, but I love Dexter Loomis. I'm not afraid to say it. I can't believe I'm saying it because I absolutely hated Sam Shaw.
0: Do you know the promo where Ken Anderson's in his bedroom (laughs) and he walks in and goes, what are you doing in
1: my bedroom? Oh, man, the whole, like, Sam Shaw, Christy Hemi thing. There's just, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I'm
0: not the biggest fan of Loomis in NXT, but he's going somewhere and they're doing something with him, so that's always a positive. What I will say is, like, as much as I like Both women in the number one contenders match. I'll admit, I laughed when I heard Rhea say she was a true number one contender. I'm like, you lost two title matches, you disappeared from TV, and then you were feuding with Robert Stone. Yeah, but... How are you number one contender?
1: Oh no, she did get pinned in that triple threat,
0: didn't she? Yeah, because Charlotte didn't lose the title
1: they had to protect Charlotte even though she was about to go away for surgery. Like they could have, they could have done something uh, to give someone the Charlotte rub before she went away. But no, they didn't they add to protect her, but that's neither here or there. Rhea Ripley. I have a similar sort of undying love and can never be, unbiased with her. Uh, She is obviously the rightful number one contender. (laughs) No matter what you think, Hoggy, she's our girl. We've got to
0: support her and love her. Yeah, but I still do want to see Dakota get that match.
1: Well, I guess we can kind of claim Dakota as our girl as well. We do it with
0: every other Kiwi. That's just it. IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, the Australian (laughs) Jay White.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We gave him... We we stole Russell Crowe, but we gave him back so we could get Jay White.
0: Uh, fair enough. So from there, we go on to Dynamite. Um, opening match was Inner Circle versus Best Friends and Friends in a Five-Way. It just broke down into chaos. Um, for what it was, it was a good match.
1: Oh, man. I am kind of sick to death of the multi-person tag match in AEW and I have an undying love for AEW as well like I'm probably not going to say too much bad things about them because I absolutely love what they do but like you know a couple of weeks ago we had an eight-man tag and then 10-man tag and coming up next week or the week after we're having a 12-man tag it's just
0: it's just too much just chill out guys tnt open challenge cody versus warhorse have you seen warhorse before this
1: i watched a couple of matches when i first heard it was announced and there's actually like a like a mini documentary on him online as well on YouTube. So I watched that. And
0: it got me really keen to see, like, what he can do. I'll admit this was the first time I watched him. He goes to the top rope, hits a macho elbow drop for a two count that was very nearly free. But Cody ends up winning via submission and post-match Dark Order run in attack Warhorse and Cody and look to be going after Arn, when Matt Cardona runs in.
1: All right, let's 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 talk. I am standing here in a room full of action figures. I am literally standing in front of a signed Zack Ryder action figure right now. I knew this was only a matter of time before it happened. Yeah, this was great. Um, I literally just, because I'm a member of his podcast Patreon, I just finished listening to the early version of his podcast for this week, and if you get a chance, go listen to it. He talks about how he had spent the last couple of months basically practising ripping his shirt, (laughs) and he did a fantastic job on Dynamite. He tore that thing, like, with no effort.
0: Well, we've seen people on Dynamite have trouble with the pro wrestling tees before. Look at Tyson. Yes, we have. Yes, we have.
1: Yeah, so... Brian Myers, his other co-host, the former Kurt Hawkins on the podcast goes, so what happened to that uh, box of my merchandise full of my t-shirts that I sent you a couple of months ago? Matt goes, yeah, I ripped them all practicing. So I thought that was a funny story I could quickly chuck in here. Um, yeah, Matt Cardona looked huge. Uh, the thing is, He's always been huge, but in this particular scenario, standing there with John Silver and Alex Reynolds, it just sort of made him look bigger. Yeah, like, Matt Cartona was... He had that 97, like, Hollywood Hogan, like, hot dog skin tan going on. He had the 96 Ultimate Warrior physique. He was... He was, uh, as he used to say, he was zacked, but I don't think there's a good alternative for that anymore. (laughs) Um, He was looking fantastic. Uh, I don't like his... I, I wish he had a different finisher. Not that I hate his finisher. I wish he had a different one because... Like, he comes out looking huge in that, and I just kind of just want to see him throw people around instead of jumping on top of him. Use the jackknife. Of course I want to see him powerbomb people.
0: Of course I do. Oh, man. But, yeah, I think good showing there, and I think he's debuting in a match this week.
1: Yeah, it's going to be him and Cody versus Alex Reynolds and John Silver from The Dark Order.
0: Join The Dark Order.
1: Yeah, um, so I was... So, like, I've seen, like, pictures of the gear he's going to wear. His gear looks awfully similar to the trunks that, like, Alex Reynolds and John Silver wear, like, color-wise. If I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a second, uh, Matt Cardona joining the Dark Order down the road, who knows? But I think the most likely thing down the road is that Cody actually turns on Matt.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Cody set up, like, a new horseman stable in the future.
1: Yeah, and then Matt's left all on his own, like, there's that sort of awkward time period where, like, Cody keeps hanging out with Matt, but also hanging out with his new horseman friends, but then eventually, like, eventually Cody just gets sick of Matt and beats the crap out of him, and then we're off to the races.
0: So from there, they had a backstage segment, FTR and Arne go over a new contract for FTR, saying August 12th will be Tag Team Appreciation Night. They sign the contract, and Hangman comes in with whiskey to toast the occasion, pours some for Arne, but pours it back into Hangman's glass, going, yeah, I don't think I need any. (laughs) I found found that just to be funny because i don't think he was expecting that <laughs> yeah
1: once again i uh, just quick little congratulations on anderson recently won the wcw tag titles at super brawl uh, <laughs> but yeah that was that was fun um i love everything about the hangman character he's so good um ftr there's a lot of potential there as
0: well so then they had the tag team championship match Kenny and Hangman defeated Dark Order members Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Uh, After the match, Mr Brodie Lee berates both Stu and Evil. They announced the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament, The Deadly Draw. The tournament is a round-robin draw. All competitors must draw a colour. Matching colours will become a team. Selections are final and cannot be appealed. And backstage, Nyla with Vicky Guerrero... Gross to colour purple, and her teammate is Ariane, formerly Cameron in WWE. Yes,
1: she is the one infamous for saying to Stone Cold Steve Austin's face on Tough Enough. What's your favourite match? Melina versus Alicia Fox, to which Stone Cold gives the most, like, terrifying blank stare and then replies, who? Uh... And there was also that infamous spot on Raw when she tried to pin someone, but they were on their stomach.
0: It was when she was feuding with Naomi after they broke up and she's going to the ref, counter! And the ref's going, no, why not? Her shoulders aren't
1: down. Naomi was flat on her face. Uh, But, you know, I I actually think it's a half-decent signing if you use her the right way, if you use her as like, how everyone views her. If you use her as a complete joke and someone that can't wrestle and the whole reason why Nyla and Vicky look upset is because, oh, crap, we got the worst partner ever. That's fine,
0: you know? Yeah. Depends. I haven't seen her wrestling that long, so who knows? She could have improved since then.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I think... Like, I still have this theory that, like, Eva Marie would actually be a really good signing for a non-WWE company if they use her as how everyone perceives her. Like, you don't sign Eva Marie and book her in 20-minute matches. You put her out there in five minutes trying to avoid doing any work, talking about how much better she is than everyone. you got you got to star there. Fair enough.
0: Um. So from there, we go on to Friday, WWE NXT UK are just continuing their greatest hit episodes. Um, New Japan aired a new edition of Summer Struggle. In my opinion, the current crop of young lines still have a lot of potential. That's Yota Suji, Yuya Yurimura and Gabriel Kidd. And the main event, a special singles match... Eugene Nagata versus Minoru Suzuki.
1: I did not see this before you asked. I haven't seen it yet. When I say I haven't seen it yet, it means I'm definitely going to watch it because two of my favorites on the current New Japan roster, even pre-pandemic, even when they weren't being used correctly. uh, These are two of the best guys they've got from their dad division, and I love it. Yes,
0: yeah, so it was another hard-hitting New Japan dad division match with Suzuki winning after he hits the gotch in about 20 minutes. So they've got an event coming up on August 29th, Summer Struggle in Jinju Stadium, which will feature Evil versus Naito for both the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships, Hiromu Takahashi versus Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. They've also announced a eight-team tournament for the vacant Never Six-Man Openweight Championships over the next few nights of the Summer Struggle Tour. Man,
1: there's, they're really starting to get back into the swing of things.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they're sort of building up. I believe G1 starts early September, so following... Xinyu uh, Stadium match in uh, August 29th, they'll be starting to move into G1. And at the moment, I don't believe there's been any G1 announcements in terms of participants or blocks or um, dates confirmed yet since the pandemic. Ah, uh, okay. Saturday saw a special press conference on New Japan World announcing the New Japan Strong series which will focus on new japan of america um talked about the line break collision series over the past month and how new japan strong will feature a eight-man tournament for the number one contendership of the iwgp heavyweight us championship in the first ever new japan cup of usa it will air saturday mornings at 12 noon australian time That's Friday nights at 10pm Eastern Time in the US. For a more detailed rundown of this, we're going to talk about in a special show coming out tomorrow. Very good. Uh, Smackdown this week, there was a never-ending montage of backstage promos. So-and-so talks for 30 seconds. Then AJ. Then it was like Otis, and then someone else, and then Nikki Cross, and then Bailey, and then Banks. And it was just like... Two minutes long.
1: I, I haven't seen that, but I actually like the idea of it in my head. Like, in my head, I'm picturing like the old school Royal Rumble promos where they do quick interviews with everyone.
0: Yeah, it was like that, but it was just like two minutes long, and then it was just like, geez, gonna try to get everyone's stuff in. Yeah. There was a good Intercontinental Championship match. AJ Styles defeated Grand Madalic of Lucha House Party. Now, I'm gonna ask you this. Who is the Money in the Bank briefcase holder? Yeah, know. Yes, although you wouldn't know it from TV this past week because as he was shown multiple times, he never had the briefcase. That's worrying because he hadn't even
1: been on TV for a month or two as well.
0: Uh, Mandy Rose was backstage and she was attacked by Sonia Deville, which led to Sonia cutting out Mandy's hair backstage. And then in the main event, Bailey defeated Nikki Cross to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. Nikki, upset, pushes down Alexa in the middle of the ring and runs backstage to signal the return of someone. Mm. It is The Fiend at Bray White. He arrives and puts a claw on Alexa to end the show.
1: Yeah. Um, so I didn't watch any of SmackDown, but you messaged me that day and pretty much told me I had to watch the closing segment. And I did. And I I don't know what everyone else's consensus are on it, but I actually enjoyed it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. I think it plays well that they've established Alexa last month as sort of this sister Abigail and Brace now going to attack her because that's who Braun... Like envisioned was coming to help him or something. That's like
1: the love of Braun's life we're meant to believe. It's the girl that Braun has a crush on. So it makes sense. My other question is, they're obviously going to do an Alexa-Nikki Cross breakup. Who's turning heel? because with Bray's involvement you could see Alexa getting all dark and being abducted by Bray and becoming a heel, right? But also you could see like from Nikki Cross's actions that she could end up being the heel. So I actually think that's somewhat intriguing, a lot more intriguing than what WWE has been offering us lately, so good for them.
0: Yeah, just a couple more and we'll we'll get to the the sort of crux of last week um, so I did watch 205 Live there's a promo saying Aria is gonna return and then it featured a roughly 20 minute match of the team of El Ligero del Fantasma Walking Wild and Raul Mendoza with NXT Cruiserweight champion Santo Escobar in their corner defeating Tony Nice and Isaiah Scott uh, I thought it was a really good match it's And this is when it hit me. 205 Live suffers from WWECW.
1: Oh, yeah, that's exactly what it is.
0: There's no women's division. There's no proper tag division. There's no secondary men's title. There's no tag title. There's no authority figure. There's no proper story. Yeah, there's no real story. You're the... Well, you're not even the C-show anymore. You're sort of the... The D or the E show, depending on where you want to rank the UK show in there as well. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what international TV deals they got, but in my opinion, they'd be better off closing this down, fully integrating the guys back into NXT's Cruiserweight division or the UK, and just going from there, because this show has great matches, but that's the only thing it's got going for it.
1: And... I might cop heat from the work rate, quote-unquote, like, internet fans, but 205 Live has been completely missable, and the only times that it was actually worth checking out was when Enzo Amore was the Cruiserweight champ. Like, that's a real controversial opinion, but at least when he had it, like, he was legitimately main-eventing Raws with that title at one point.
0: Yeah, the only only other time I really made weekly appointment viewing of it was when Buddy had the title as well.
1: Yeah, and, um, uh, yeah, that's right. How can I forget about that? Uh, it just feels like a lifetime ago with that, even though Enzo
0: was longer. Yeah, almost two years since Super Showdown in Melbourne, even though... It- feels a lot longer this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have to
1: agree.
0: Um, So the last thing I watched last week was Ring of Honor. They're continuing their Best Of series. This week they focused on Joe Henry. They're focusing on a different wrestler every week. And over the past two weeks, they had focused on Jonathan Gresham and Hana Kimura.
1: I might actually have to check out the Best Of Hana Kimura stuff cuz I want to
0: hunt down and watch a few more of her matches. Yeah, I'm um, I'm thinking of going into to stardom cuz they've started back up in in Japan as well. So I suppose we're recording this a little later than initially scheduled. Did you watch Raw yesterday? I sure did. This is where I
1: I feel like we might be about to have our first on-air sc- on argument.
0: <laughs> so going into Raw We were promised two things. Well, three, I guess. The return of Apollo, the return of Shane McMahon, and a debuting faction.
1: And we got all three of those things.
0: Yes, but to what degree? We got them. (laughs) The show starts off US Championship match. MVP versus Apollo. Apollo wins and claims both US Championships, saying backstage that he's going to hang the old one in his kid's bedroom while claiming the new one and thanking MVP for paying for it. Later announced they'll have a rematch at SummerSlam. Kevin Owens and the Iconics interact backstage, which leads to Kevin Owens having the KO show with Ruby and Liv, uh, which leads to the Iconics coming out, and it forms the Iconics versus the old Riot Squad members. Do you have anything to say here?
1: Yeah, I actually thought this was a good segment. <laughs> I thought... um. Yes, the fake tears and all that might have been a bit much, but the actual content of the promos was really good. Ruby being like, you know, I came back and I, I healed out on your Liv, because everything had changed so much and I, you were so different and blah, blah, blah. She gave all these reasons. It was actually somewhat plausible. And then I think you failed to mention in the first match with MVP and Apollo, the lights kept flickering and... It, in this one, the Iconics come out and the
0: mic keeps uh, cutting out. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, so the Right Squad eventually wins. Iconics go in an attack and post match, which leads to the Right Squad knocking down the Iconics and then going up the ramp together. Yeah, this doesn't excite me.
1: <laughs> I think it's it. Yeah, it's not overwhelming me with excitement or anything, but I think it was handled as well as it could, and it's probably the best role for Liv and Ruby.
0: Yeah, what was Liv doing before, sitting in a bathtub and... Oh, that's right, she was feuding with Lana.
1: Yeah, um, there was all that sort (sighs) of stuff. Yeah. She'd been away for a few months. Uh, who knows what was going on there. Um, I found it quite weird that Ruby Riot beats the Iconics and she, her hair is literally green and gold. Did you notice that? Yes. <laughs> Come on. If someone's going to be rocking some green and gold in this match, why is it Ruby Riot?
0: I don't know. The Iconics are wearing a lot of gold though. Well, yeah. They they're just missing one piece of gold around their waist.
1: Yeah, well, you got to give them to the to the opportunity hoarders with those titles. So, <laughs>
0: bad luck. Um Nia Jax attacked someone and got suspended, then Charlie was backstage talking about 4 Wing boxes. What the hell am I watching?
1: Hey man, they were trying to explain what was happening with all the glitches and stuff. Um Nia Jax getting suspended. Hooray. Um
0: Yeah. Alright. Not too much to say there. I think I've made no secret of it of this on this show that um I'm not the biggest fan of Nia Jax and her putting out a woe is me tweet five minutes after Buddy won the title at Super Showdown saying, well, technically I was the first Australian to win a title. It's like, you've never mentioned you were Australian until this tweet. Yeah. Get the hell out. Yeah, exactly.
1: Who knows? Like if she had mentioned it beforehand or at a different, different moment, we might have been proud to have her on. Who knows? But the way she brought it up, yeah, get out of here.
0: There was a backstage segment where Sasha and Bailey were talking. Then Shayna came up, attacked Sasha, which set up a match for later in the night where it was Shayna versus Sasha with Bailey at ringside. That ended in DQ because Asuka came down and attacked Bailey ringside. Then once Bailey and Sasha had left. Asuka got in the ring, started talking, and Shayna said to Asuka, I hope you win the title back. This is the same woman who was saying she was going to break Brecky Lynch's arm at WrestleMania. Just, what was I watching last night?
1: Nah, Shayna's trying to be the badass babyface to, you know... I don't think she's pulling it off that well, but she's trying.
0: So then it was announced that Asuka has to beat Bailey next week to get a SummerSlam match at Sasha next week. So she has to beat the SmackDown champion to have a match against the Raw champion. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> that's real dumb. So then there was a grainy security footage of Tazawa's ninjas throwing Molotov cocktails. At a speaker box power unit thing outside.
1: That wasn't Tozawa's Ninjas. Oh, dude, it looked exactly like them. They were wearing hoodies. They didn't have the face wraps. It was completely different. All right, it wasn't completely different, but it was like somewhat different. And yes, I had to actually zoom in to make sure that the outfits were different.
0: <laughs> Why have them in black though? Why not have them in I don't know, yellow or blue or red or pink or green or something other than black so they're not identical on 30 seconds of grainy security footage.
1: Yeah, and I think the worst part is that you didn't mention it, and I don't think it was worth mentioning earlier on in the the episode of Raw, Tozawa and his ninjas were featured on Raw, so that didn't help the confusion there, and there was a lot of people that were definitely confused
0: there. One of the most random WWE cut-ins of all time. Raw Underground will be on air tonight at 10 p.m. Don't miss it. With Shane McMahon with a ring without ropes on a black canvas and (laughs) bedding ringside and it looks like a fight club and there's girls in their underwear dancing and what the hell? All right, so this is where we're going to argue. This
1: was awesome. I loved this. Legitimately loved this.
0: You hated Wrestle House and loved it. You and I, week
1: after week on this podcast, or episode after episode, talk about how we always end up fantasy booking Bloodsport. We got Bloodsport, except a way overproduced, admittedly, version of Bloodsport. But we got Bloodsport.
0: (laughs) This is not the Bloodsport
1: I asked for. (laughs) This is fancy Bloodsport. This is Bloodsport, like... They gave Josh Barnett way too much money to book it, and
0: here you go. Uh, okay. Um. Did you notice other uh, people who were beaten?
1: Uh I noticed Isaiah Scott at one. P- yes, yeah, Swerve Bro. Yes, yeah, Swerve Bro. Uh, Dio Madden, the former Raw announcer, that got killed by Brock Lesnar and was never seen again. Who else was there? Tyler
0: Breeze. Was he in there? He was the blonde-haired one that got beaten up. Oh, man, I love... Shorty G was in there? Yeah, Shorty G was the one Dolph was beating up, wasn't it?
1: I don't think it was. I thought this the dude Dolph was beating up had tats and stuff.
0: Okay. I don't know. There was like 80 camera cuts in two minutes of fight, so it was pretty hard to see everyone's faces.
1: Yeah, the camera cuts were a bit excessive. But what I will say is this format was a really good way to put a serious edge on certain people. Eric from the Viking Raiders looked like an absolute killer in his little underground match. Um, they're now finally acknowledging Dolph Ziggler's shoot background
0: like in amateur wrestling and that. That was really cool. Didn't JR like always mention it when he was on commentary that... Dolph was, like, from university of whatever university he's from, blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah, yeah, he probably did. That's a real JR thing to do. I actually didn't hate the big dude they brought in, uh, Yabba Dabba
0: Dube. Babatunde,
1: Baba Tunde. but they gave him a different name. Oh, I forgot what it was. It was like double t- took Tooker or something ridiculous. Yabba Doo doo. Yeah, uh, Yabba Dabba Doo, Yibbida Yibbida, that's all, folks. <laughs> Thank your mother for the rabbits. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought he looked like a killer. Uh, I thought that was fine. Um, I'm always... Got to be one championing big guys in wrestling because we don't get enough of them anymore and this dude was very big. (laughs) Yeah, I liked the presentation, the actual fighting sequences with like Ziggler and Eric and later on um, the Hurt Business. I liked all that stuff.
0: Yeah, so Hurt Business comes in and invades, says they're taking over Raw Underground, beats up everyone and stand in the ring And then to prove that it's not like Raw, they use a clean Raw replay graphic to replay the beatdown.
1: Okay. All right. Keep new picking. I thought these three dudes in their sweet, fresh as all hell suits coming in there, like looking like badasses, rolling up their sleeves and just like killing everyone. I thought that was sweet. I thought this whole thing just made those three dudes like... I care about Shelton Benjamin in 2020. That's a pretty tough task. And Shelton Benjamin hasn't been doing anything in the four years since he last like, signed with the WWE. And somehow they've got me to give a crap about him. They've got me to give a crap about MVP, who I thought at the start of the year was retired. And they got me to... like think that Bobby Lashley is a serious, like, killer after all that Lana stuff.
0: Oh, but that was the best use of Lashley, him bending over and showing everyone his ass. Hey,
1: that was the Leo Rush days. That was the good old days. The Lana stuff was the bad old days.
0: Yeah, do you remember the group Lashley and MVP were involved in in Impact. The
1: beatdown clan.
0: Yeah, it's a good use of Lashley, it's a good use of the three guys it's the right way to use Lashley like my negative with it is it was promoted on like maybe 10 minutes of TV time, this is what it is and then it's not really explained what it is or how it works or what happens and Uh, Like, I think if you had built this up a bit more instead of sort of hot-shotting it on 10 minutes' notice, it might have got a bit worse of a bad reaction.
1: I honestly think the exact opposite. I think they shouldn't have even built it up at all because the more they build this up, the more people are going to expect something different or, like, have different expectations for it and will definitely be let down. Like... Let's be honest, like, when Raw trends on Twitter, it's only because it's the diehard fans going on Twitter complaining about Raw. That's the only reason Raw trends, right? Like, that's exactly what would happen if they'd spent, like, a week hyping up this thing. Everyone would be complaining about it. I think they shouldn't have even promoted it at all and just thrown this at people, like, out of nowhere and then they have less time to get their expectations up or whatever, whatever unrealistic thing they were thinking it was going to end up being, they wouldn't have been disappointed.
0: Fair enough. Um, have you seen any sort of reviews or podcasts or uh, opinions on raw outside of Twitter then? Uh,
1: yeah, like I've listened to review of raw. It wasn't very positive. Um, by the way, we forgot to mention Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre had a hell of a promo.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry. It's just Randy Orton doesn't really excite me all that much.
1: I think this version does. Like, um, there was that one moment where Drew McIntyre says to Randy, like, you know, you talk about Undertaker pulling you up up to his level. How many times have you pulled someone else up up to your level? And they cut to Randy Orton. He's just standing there with his hand gestured in a zero symbol, like with a smart ass little smirk on his face. Like, yeah, I don't bring anyone up to my level. Who cares? I loved it. I I thought, I think this version of Randy Orton actually might be the best version we've ever had. Um, My only issue is that I don't think Ric Flair is a necessary part of the act, especially when he's coming out there and just standing next to Randy. Like you don't bring out one of the best promos of all time and just have him stand there and smile. And I don't think he's capable of doing one of the best promos of all time anymore. So then that makes me think, why do you even have him there? Especially when his wife has COVID.
0: Yeah, yeah. Has had? I'm not sure. The time frame. Yeah, but she definitely did test positive at one stage and that's why he missed a week or something of tapings.
1: Yeah, and he was also like spotted like going through a drive through without a mask on despite like picking up food for someone with COVID.
0: Duh. That's a whole nother issue. Better not disgusted. Everybody,
1: I have to go on dog walks with a mask on. Everyone else, just wear your bloody mask if you're in a state where you're meant.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: At least avoid the fines. Yeah, what's it for you guys now, five grand? Ah, I'm not even too sure. I'm not even going to bother finding out because I'll be a good boy and wear my mask all the time. In fact, Eliza made me a sweet, like, dude love style tie-dye mask, which I'll probably wear everywhere.
0: Fair enough. You'll have to send a a photo out of that one then. (laughs) (laughs) I might have to. So, Aussie Wrestling's started back up, and this weekend we've got live wrestling on the TV. Well, TV of sorts. Streaming device, I guess. It is PWA Call to Arms 13 this Saturday at 8pm. Will you be watching this one live? Um... I might, I might.
1: It sort of depends on the schedule. Not that I can really get out and do anything because I will be under TNA lockdown rules at that point. Um, Dixie Carter will have already have slammed the door shut, so I probably will end up watching this live. Um, very interested in
0: one match in particular. So there's the returning Charlie Evans versus Jessica Troy. Also announced is a four-way match. Steph DeLander versus Will Kiedis versus Kingsley versus Reese Angel. And also a tag team match. The Prefects, Jimmy Townsend and William Preston versus MK Plus Ultra, Kai Drake and Michael Spencer has been announced with more matches probably to be announced over the coming days.
1: Oh, boy. Um... I'm very excited to see Jessica Troy again. <laughs> I just I miss her. She was on track of being my Australian wrestler of the year um i I want to see her wrestle. I missed her.
0: yeah, yeah, and this is sort of our our first main exposure. right City starting up later in the month. I had checked earlier in the week um. EPW and Wrestle Rampage hadn't had anything up on VOD yet, so this will sort of be the first taste for Aussie fans. And with the way things going in Victoria, I think wrestling sort of out of the question for the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: yeah, definitely. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be New South Wales. Uh, South Australia and WA carrying the country at the moment Um, even New South Wales might become questionable soon, who knows
0: Yeah. so so I must state this is a no fans show from the Pro Wrestling Academy in Sydney so no fans will be there live in attendance Um, yeah and also I suppose in sadder uh, wrestling news I learnt the other night that um, AWL out of Queensland has sort of Shut down operations for the time being.
1: Yeah, I heard that. That's um, that's that's a shame. You you don't want to hear stuff like that, especially you know you started covering them on the show and you you started to develop a bit of a soft spot for them, didn't you?
0: Yeah, yeah. They they sort of formed earlier this year out the merger from AWA based in Brisbane and PWL based on the Gold Coast into a bigger. Uh, Southeast South East Queensland-based company. So i watched their um, Purge Rumble and their Interphase 1 show, and I was really excited for the year ahead. Diamond was the new heavyweight champion on the last show, I believe. So it was exciting to see where they were setting up for this new era of their new company. But, um, yeah, so that that's not what we want to see, and that's not what we want to... Um, see happen around Australia and like if you can go and buy, buy merch for these people and um, give them a like, give them a shout out on Twitter share their stuff it's um yeah not not good to see one of the bigger companies in the um, state go under.
1: Yeah definitely yeah it's quite a shame um, honestly I think it's kind of a shock that it's only been these guys so far that's been announced like I think that shows sort of the strength in the Australian wrestling community that it hasn't been many more independent promotions. Like like in England, they've had a fair few shut down and in America, a few indie companies have had to close their doors and this is like the first one of any major note for Australia.
0: Yeah, yeah. So So hopefully we can sort of get back up running soon as a wrestling community as a whole Australian-wide so we don't see any other companies go under because like for example PCW in um, Melbourne like even though they've got their own venue and they sort of seem pretty right no one knows the behind the scenes thing so you'd hate for a company like that to uh disappear from that scene.
1: Yeah, they've still got to pay to keep those lights on in the venues that they have.
0: Yeah, and you think think companies like um for example an MCW with their academy, they don't I don't know if they own the place where their academy is or if they rent it for example, if they did rent it, they'd have to pay rent and then all your other associated bills. So even though they're not having any money come in they've still got expenses
1: yeah exactly as the great steve austin once said you gotta pay them goddamn gimmicks they keep putting in the mailbox they call them bills Ah, oh, well
0: yeah so there it is first edition of the weekly wrestling wrap we hope you enjoyed that Just a quick reminder, we will be back Saturday the 8th with the first edition of vlog Cup New Japan Cup USA. It's a wrestling meets footy tipping style aspect, we hope you enjoy that. Before we come back on the 11th for Fallout Down Under number 7, where Alex has chosen WCW Nitro from Brisbane and WCW Thunder from Sydney in the year 2000 in October the 9th and October the 11th. For now, peace out and speak to you soon, humans.